And to each of you, I say, Merry Christmas. Most clergy love a bit of humor. In fact, uh, I've shared this previously that clergy love jokes so much that we would just number them. When we get together, all you'd have to do is call out a number and everybody would laugh. Uh, a young preacher joined the group and uh, was a part of that fellowship one morning and they were going around calling out these numbers and people would just laugh, having the best time. So he thought he'd be a part of it. He called out a number. Nobody laughed. Well, he was perplexed, so after the meeting, he went up to one of the older preachers and he said, uh, it was wonderful being with you in the fellowship. But I was curious when I, I shared the joke, nobody laughed. And the old preacher said, well, son, it's all in how you tell the joke. So Terry shared this joke about a, a year ago, I recall, and I'd used it a number of years ago, but it fits the text for the day. A little girl was sitting at her kitchen table drawing, and Mother walked by and she said, well, darling, what are you drawing? And she said, I'm drawing a picture of God. Mother said, well, dear, nobody knows what God looks like. And the little girl said with the confidence of a five-year-old, they will when I get through with this picture. <laughs> and what was she drawing? The face of Christ. The text says, it all started when God said, light up the darkness. And we were filled up with light as we saw and understood God in the face of Christ. You may realize that Christmas Day began what the church calls the season of Christmas tide. In the secular world, we call it the 12 days of Christmas. But it means that this is a time to really explore the gift of Christ, to explore the deeper meaning of our relationship with Christ, to explore the deeper meaning of of our friendships with a friend, with a spouse, with children, with parents, with neighbors, co-workers, and yes, the stranger. Relationships. Martin Buber, a well-known theologian from yesteryear, put it this way in the book I, Thou. He suggests that you cannot have a relationship with information. Oh, you can Google information, but that information will not sit with you to listen to your dreams or to sit with you when you're sad. It takes a relationship with a real, live human being. Now, it is true that some human relationships lose that luster. Instead of an I-thou relationship, it becomes what Buber calls an I-it relationship. The other person is just an object, an end to a means. In the perennial favorite National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, we watch it every year. <laughs> Chevy Chase is that, that lead leader. 
Near the end of the movie, Clark is waiting to receive the Christmas bonus. But before I tell you what he received, and most of you know, you must know that he was banking on receiving that bonus. He said to his boss, many employees have come to depend upon it as their salary. Well, instead of the bonus, the boss sent a 12-month subscription to Jelly of the Month Club. Well, after a siege of SWAT team and police who crashed into the house, the boss had an awakening. He realized that he had failed those who had helped make the company a success. He had seen them little more as an object, an I-it relationship. But when he awakened to the fact that the employees had feelings and life and family and, and need, he reversed his decision. It was as if the very spirit of Christ had come upon him. And he restored the bonuses with a, a hefty increase. You know, this can happen with any relationship. With Christ, with a spouse, with a friend. In the initial stages of a friendship or courtship, the chemistry between two persons can be exhilarating. I know when I fell in love with this person seated on the front row, and it's really unusual she's on the front row this morning because she does not like the front row. But I see our whole family encouraged her to be there. But when I fell in love with her, she filled my daily thoughts. Pleasing her in a day was one of my chief ambitions. Feelings emerged. Love was birthed. Unfortunately, persons can awaken one day to discover that they are entangled in life and busyness. It can revert from an I-thou relationship to an I-it, an object. One's waking hours are no longer filled with the other, but with the necessities of the day. One's attention is diverted. Jesus, in his greatest hour of need in the Garden of Gethsemane, asked his friends to stay with him. And he returned not once, not twice, but three times. He found them sleeping. Amidst the dis-ease of relationships, Perhaps one of the greatest findings in the fields of psychology to theology is this. Relations are reciprocity. Now that's a theological jargon and I seek to unpack it. We receive love. If I had a whiteboard, I could put you here and another here. Relation is reciprocity. You are chosen. A person loves you. But the circle is complete only when we love and return. It is called the circle of love. Relation is reciprocity. We know that in such a relationship there is mutuality and mutual support. We know that a significant other will be there to champion our efforts to be like the wind in our sails. 
Somebody may observe such a friendship or a marriage and say, don't they compliment one another? Relation is reciprocity. Not only a receiving, but a giving back. Now, one of my greatest learnings in faith is this. God's love is the foundation for relationships. God's love is the foundation. If you want to nurture and improve a relationship, open your life to Christ because he is a bedrock, the foundation for a loving relationship. The Bible puts it this way in 1 John. Beloved, God has loved us so much. That's the Christmas story. And so we also ought to love one another. That's reciprocity. That's giving, receiving. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God's love resides in us and his love is perfected in us. My conversion verse was 1 John 4:19, And there it says, we love because God first loved us. It's a circle of love, an amazing thing. The miracle of Christmas is about being chosen and choosing. God sent his love and the delivery came in his son, Christ Jesus. You are loved. That is the essence of the Christmas story at Bethlehem. However, to have the fullness of this relationship, you are to choose back. You are to love in return. H. Richard Niebuhr, in the meaning of Revelation, simply states, relationship means being chosen and choosing. A circle of love. So how do you choose to love God? The first step is upon hearing of this love is to accept it, to profess faith in Christ Jesus. The sign of that acceptance is baptism. Most of you in the room perhaps have received the mark that says you have received this mark of love. If you are hearing these words and you ne have never been baptized, this is a moment for you to reflect on this greatest gift. I pray that you may feel the wonder of Christmas, the very significance of Bethlehem, for in Bethlehem God is saying, I choose you. God is extending divine love to you through the Son. But in return, we are expressing love back as we come, for example, in this moment of our worship. Your presence here this morning is reciprocity. It is saying, God, I love you back. But in this hour, Christ is bidding you to make love the mission of your life. This is the extension of Christmas. Salem is about such a mission. Through Terry's leadership and the staff and the lay leadership, your work and your devotion, you are declaring that Christmas is not over. It is time now to love more lavishly. 
And this Christmas season, you have provided meals for the homeless. At the beginning of this school year, you provided backpacks filled with learning materials so that a child could go to school feeling as if they were up to the task, chosen. Can you see a Salem tutor sitting with a third grader who's trying to figure out what the lines on the page mean? I tell you that teaching a child to read is a continuation of the Christmas event. Christ is in such an act. Can you feel the possibility? We need a little Christmas all year through. If you were sitting next to a spouse or a friend, maybe a stranger, I would invite you right now to turn and look at them in their eyes. Turn. This is the face of Christ. I believe that because of Christmas, the love that we first felt when we first began to know each other can have a genesis of new beginnings. You can be a better friend. You can be a better neighbor. You can be a deeper follower of the Christ who declares that all things are new. The real genesis of Christmas in my life is not only being chosen, but in choosing back. Are being loved by Christ, but then learning how to love back. I close with this. We were a year and a half into our first full-time appointment. Marcia and I had gone to a small community. But I discovered that things were adrift. The church was the same as when I had arrived there. And I feared that after the bishop called and appointed me to another church, the church would simply be the same. I wondered if I had misunderstood God's calling and I was the wrong person at the wrong place at the wrong time. And amidst that feeling, I fell on my knees and I simply said, God, help me. And God did. I felt a new purpose in my teaching, in my preaching. I knew that I would not bring change. I surrendered to the fact that I would not bring any lasting change, but that it was when Christ was lifted up, change could come. Marriages could be renewed, friendships extended. The church could discover a deeper purpose. And soon people began just to come near to see what was happening. It was as if Christmas had come all year long. And then one day, one day, the grocer called. Now you'd want to know in this town of 1,200, there were not choices of where you went to get your groceries. There was one store. The grocer, he was an important part of our community. He called and he said, David, I want to come by and talk with you. And he came into my office and there were tears in his eyes. And I can remember him saying that he'd made the decision to turn his life over to Christ. He wanted to empty self 
and to give all that he had left to God. Before leaving, he wrote the biggest check that this young preacher had ever seen. His commitment spawned others to do the same. The church had rebirth. People discovered anew the power of relationships and family and home and community. And they began to spread that love, beginning first in their home and then into that town. I tell you surely that Christmas begins when we surrender our agendas, when we surrender this new year to the ways that bring light. The scripture said, it all started when God said, light up the darkness, and the light filled us up, filled us up fully as we saw and understood God in the face of Jesus, all bright and beautiful. I tell you, in just two days, tomorrow will be yesterday. Life is short, my friends. This is a moment to love exuberantly. It is a time to let Christ's light flow into your life anew, that darkness may be turned away. May you be sent out from this worship this moment to share the light and the love for you. You've been chosen. Tell others the good news and let us in turn love back. Would you turn to someone and say, Merry Christmas. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, let's go. Amen. <laughs>